Peace be with you. My name is Drew. I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn Heights. Um, I do have a, a Britney Spears microphone. That's new for many of you, I'm sure. Um, but last week, we, uh, we wrapped up our sermon series through the book of Job. And it was a cheery eight weeks, was it not? Um, and so today, I thought it would be good for us to just take a breather. Um, and that's why we've, we've decided to preach on human trafficking. Um, next week, we'll begin the Life Together series, as Eric mentioned. And that, that series is going to be full of hope and celebration and expectation. But we did have a week slotted in between Job and the Life Together series. And, and I really think it's time that we began a conversation as a church. Um, and more than that, I, I think it's... I think it's time we got serious about fighting this particular injustice corporately. Um, but, but the reason I say start a conversation is, is that this is a big issue. Um, it's a complex issue. And I will not be saying all there is to say about it. Um, some of you are very passionate about this issue. I may not say the thing you most want me to say about it. Um, so we're beginning a conversation. But we will be a church marked by justice and mercy. All right, so picture this scene. You're in a town called Nazareth, right? The 30-year-old son of Joseph and Mary enters the synagogue, the Jewish assembly, on the Sabbath. This is the illegitimate child of Joseph and Mary. Uh, the details of his conception and birth were never really made clear to you, but you did know him in diapers. He's a friend of the family. And apparently, he's been traveling throughout the region causing a stir. And here he, is, here he is back in his hometown. He motions for a scroll, the prophet Isaiah. And he begins to unroll the parchment. And after several silent minutes of unrolling, Jesus begins to read. Every ear is eager, every mouth is shut. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And you think to yourself, man, what a beautiful passage. One of my favorites, actually. It's so good to be reminded that God will one day send us a Savior. And everyone remains silent as Jesus rolls the scroll and gives it back to the attendant. And every eye remains fixed upon him as he takes his seat. And he sits, and after a moment he declares, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What? Fulfilled. The year of the Lord's favor. Who, do, who does this guy think he is? This is the illegitimate child of Joseph and Mary. Who does this guy think he is? What authority does he have to declare the year of Jubilee? What, what authority does he have to give sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free? Again, we're talking about the illegitimate child of Joseph, the guy down the street who built your kitchen table, right? And so, from the perspective of every person in that synagogue, there was nothing about Jesus' past that would qualify him to fulfill 
what was, what was promised by the prophet Isaiah. Jesus was the quintessential unlikely hero, and yet here he was claiming the anointing of the Holy Spirit, claiming the authority and the ability to loose the chains of injustice and set people free. So what is injustice according to the Bible? Um, Biblical injustice is an abuse of power which tarnishes the image of God in human beings by robbing them of their life, their dignity, or the fruits of their labor. The book of Ecclesiastes speaks of the tears of the oppressed. They have no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And so this is the biblical picture of injustice, the powerful oppressing the powerless. The powerful oppressing the powerless. Today, there are over 45 million people in the world who live as slaves. 45 million is more than were trafficked during the 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade. There are 158 countries in the world with populations below 45 million. Never before, his, never before in the history of the world have there been 45 million slaves. And the market value of a slave today is about the same as a 64-ounce Yeti. But that's not all. One in four slaves are children. A child goes missing in India every eight minutes. In the United States, 77% of trafficking victims are people of color. In China, babies are kidnapped and put up for international adoption. In Sri Lanka, trafficked children are made to serve as soldiers. Across the world, four billion people Four billion people live outside the protection of a system of laws. We take the law for granted. There are as many as 11.6 million human beings held in forced commercial sexual exploitation. The average sex slave is given a quota of 10 to 15 buyers a night with some being sold to as many as 45 buyers each night. In all, the human trafficking industry generates about $150 billion each year, mostly from sexually, sexual exploitation. Houston is a hub for domestic and international trafficking. The I-10 corridor between Houston and San Antonio, it's the number one route for human trafficking in the United States. One in five victims in the U.S. is trafficked down I-10 between Houston and San Antonio. One in five, 20%. Up to 80 or 90% of sex trafficking victims were at one time foster children. But they were never adopted. And on average, it takes 48 hours for traffickers to make contact with a newly homeless child in our city. 48 hours. 
This is evil. This is pure evil. This is what our sin does to the world. We live, we live in an age of what's right for you is right for you and what's right for me is right for me. Um, there is no absolute right and wrong. There's no objective good and evil. Uh, we must never impose our, our individual moralities upon one another. I believe in a God of love, not a God of wrath, right? And this philosophy can seem reasonable. This philosophy can seem reasonable so long as you are rich and comfortable and free. It's easier to ignore human trafficking than to allow it to dismantle our worldview. But the slaves of this world, the slaves of this world don't have time for that postmodern nonsense. In their world, praying to a God of love is praying to a God of wrath. Sometimes wrath is precisely the type of love we need. So let's not hesitate to call this evil. Right, so, so what are we supposed to do with all this information? Many of us have heard statistics like this, but not many of us have done a whole lot about it. I haven't. Right, so what are we supposed to do with this information? I think Luke chapter 4 is a great place to start. Here, Jesus is declaring his purpose on the earth to proclaim good news, to proclaim liberty, but not just to proclaim those things, not just to talk about freedom, to give sight to the blind, to give liberty to the oppressed. See, Jesus ministered to the marginalized in society, those most, most vulnerable to oppression and injustice. Jesus defended the weak and restored dignity to the downtrodden. His mission was not just to rescue people from spiritual bondage. Jesus offered real freedom for those in physical bondage. And so Luke 4 was the mission statement of Christ. This was Jesus' purpose on the earth, to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so if this, if this was Jesus' purpose statement on the earth, it's worth asking, what is our purpose on the earth? I think Luke chapter 4 describes not only the mission of Jesus, but also the mission of the church. In John chapter 20, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And, and 1 Peter 2 says, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So we are the body of Christ. And all that Jesus did in his body, on the earth. Everything he said, everything he did, he now does through us, his body. But even if that weren't true, even if there's no one-to-one correlation between the ministry of Jesus and our ministry today, the Bible simply will not let God's people off the hook in terms of injustice. Micah 6, 8 says, What does the Lord require of you 
but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And Isaiah 1.17 commands, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, and plead the cause of the widow. So, human trafficking is proof that the world is broken. Exhibit A. The human heart is broken. We are depraved. And talking about these things can be depressing, especially after eight weeks in Job, right? Talking about these things can be depressing. But listen, it doesn't have to be. If anyone can stare down the darkness with hope, it's us. Christians believe that Jesus' resurrection initiated a new creation. And so our goal as Christians is not to escape the world. Our goal as Christians is to take part in renewing the world. We are God's agents in bringing about that new creation he initiated in Jesus. And listen, when, when the day dawns and the light of God's glory chases out every shadow of evil, we will be there. We are going to be right there with him. And so by all means, we, we lament human trafficking. It's a gigantic problem. But we don't have to be overwhelmed by the problem. We don't have to wonder whether this sort of evil will ever come to an end because it will. We can have hope and confidence even as we stare down the absolute depths of human depravity. That's what this is. Now, at this point, to be honest, I, I have to confess that much of that, much, much of what I just said remains theoretical for me. Um, preparing for this sermon made me angry. And not the righteous type of anger. I was an angrier husband and father and friend and coworker. I was grumpy. I have failed to trust God's goodness and sovereignty as I peer into the depths of human depravity. I have struggled to believe that all will be made new. Sometimes the darkness in this world is exhausting. But I need to remember that Jesus goes before me, that his spirit is with me, that he's given me brothers and sisters to do these things alongside. We are not solo abolitionists. We do not bear the weight of human brokenness alone. Jesus did. Jesus bore the weight of human brokenness alone, but we are a royal priesthood and we follow him into the darkness together. Throughout history, God has repeatedly used his church to bring liberty to those in bondage, both spiritual and physical. And even today, God is using his church to bring freedom for men, women, and children in the fishing industries of Ghana, in the factories of Malaysia, in the Hindu temples in Mumbai, or the brothels in Houston, Texas. He's using us. He wants to. 
Jesus was an unlikely hero to the oppressed, and in him, so are you, so are we. We don't all have to do everything, um, but I do think we all must do something. As William Wilberforce once said, say that five times fast, I practiced this week. Uh, As William Wilberforce once said, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. And today, step one in this fight against injustice is simple. Um, It's probably too simple, but fill out this card um, and drop it in one of the black boxes on your way out. Uh, There are a myriad of ways for us to get involved in the fight against human trafficking. I'm about to list a few of them, Um, but by filling out this card as, as your first step, as our collective first step, Um, we can begin to amass a coalition of sojourners committed to fighting human trafficking in Houston. So um, fill out that card, drop it in the box, and we will follow up with you. But in addition to filling out that card, there are things we can be doing in the meantime. Number one, we can pray. We can pray for the oppressed and we can pray for their oppressors. And we can pray with confidence because not only does God hear our prayers, God has promised justice and redemption. Number two, we can raise awareness. Wilberforce, who I just quoted, was a leader in the movement to abolish the slave trade in the 1800s. But he was not always an abolitionist. He was not always an advocate for abolition. It was not until he was introduced to an abolitionist named Thomas Clarkson that Wilberforce decided to join the fight. And so your your coworker or your neighbor could be the next Wilberforce. We have to tell them. Make them aware of these things. Number 3. We can stop looking at pornography. Porn perpetuates the sex industry. Research shows that many women in pornographic films are actually slaves. Pornography is also a gateway drug for johns, for buyers. Pornography increases sexual demand and it fuels prostitution. So if if we, not just the church, but we as a society, if we stop Buying women, they will stop selling women. But even if you're not paying for your pornography, you're still growing the market for pornography, which is growing the market for slavery. Number four, we can use our gifts and give of our time. Some of us can sway politics, some of us have the power to sway politics. All of us can write our congressman. Some of us can influence laws. All of us can support law enforcement. Some of us can use our platforms to advocate. All of us can share statistics in the break room. Some of us can employ former victims. All of us can support businesses that do. Some of us can offer medical or psychological care to victims, and and every single one of us can offer spiritual care 
Number five, we can give of our finances and resources. Plain and simple, taking down a $150 billion industry requires money. And there are numerous organizations in Houston alone who would love to take some money off your hands. Number six, we can serve the homeless. It's really interesting to see how, how all of these social issues are integrated. We can serve the homeless. The homeless, especially homeless children, are the most vulnerable people in our city. They are the most susceptible to being trafficked. Number seven, we can support local schools. High school dropouts are more likely to be victimized by human trafficking. They're also more likely to victimize others. And so investing time in school-aged children or mentoring at-risk teens at Reagan High School, that's fighting human trafficking. Number eight, we can foster and adopt children. If it's true that up to 90% of domestic trafficking victims were former foster children, then fostering and adopting is an extremely effective way to fight human trafficking. And number nine, we can share the gospel. I think it's no mistake that two of the most effective evangelists in the Bible, uh, Stephen and Philip, were actively engaged in mercy ministry. They were deacons. Often, those who are burdened enough by spiritual darkness to speak the light of the gospel into the situation are also those burdened enough by physical darkness to be the light of the gospel. We cannot separate gospel word from gospel deed, right? Human trafficking begins in the human heart. So the gospel takes an ax to the very root of the problem. I don't want you to read those nine things as a checklist. Um, you personally don't need to do all nine things. You need to pray and you need to stop watching porn. But you personally do not need to do all nine things. Our goal is not to end human trafficking as individuals. The immensity of this problem calls for the aggregate power and influence of the church, the capital C church. And that's good news. That's good news for us as individuals. But even so, with that said, I think every one of us as individuals should consider this. If you, if you are a slave and you have never imagined a life beyond the life that you know, You cannot imagine that on the other side of the world there are people who live in freedom. And not only do they live in freedom, but they have power and resources beyond anything you could ever dream possible. And so if you, as a slave, knew that such a person existed, and that such power and resources were in that person's possession, and that that person was a follower of Jesus you might begin to hope. And so make no mistake, ending human trafficking, it, it will require that we give up some of our own freedoms. That's okay. 
For Christians, setting people free often looks like hanging on a cross. The gospel allows us to do even that with hope and joy and confidence. American society has, has always been enamored with the idea of freedom. But today, in our day, we've begun to chase freedom for the sake of freedom. Freedom without limits. Freedom to define ourselves. Freedom from judgment. Freedom to achieve our dreams. Freedom to sleep around with whoever I want. That's our brand of freedom today. But Satan is the great ally of our self-obsession. Satan is the great ally of our narcissism. And meanwhile, our, we have sisters in the brothel down the street who are actually enslaved by that brand of freedom. Do you get that? Again, if there were no buyers, there would be no trafficking. They are enslaved in part because our definition of freedom has come unhinged from all morality. Our definition of freedom is self-serving and circular. And this enlightened brand of freedom, it enslaves people. Our society has used its freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But as Christians, according to Galatians 5.13, we must not use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Through love, we must serve one another. And so our freedom in Christ should be a blessing to others, both spiritual and physical. Use your freedom to give freedom to others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your church. Um, It is a great privilege and a great responsibility to be your people in a world like this. Um, And so God, I, I pray that all that's said Um, all that was spoken from your word, the statistics we read, all of that would be convicting and compelling um, and would move us to act. But God, I also pray that we would leave this place encouraged and hopeful. As dark as this is, as dark as this is, I pray that we would begin to hope in you in new ways to trust in you in new ways. God, we we pray against this evil. We pray against the evil, especially the evil in our neighborhood and in our city. Lord, we plead with you to, to allow the light of your glory to chase it out. In Jesus' name, amen.